welcome to episode number 79 of Gunfighter Cast. I'm your host, Daniel Shaw. Today, we're going to talk about the Professional Code of Defensive Shooting Instructors. Before we get into this code, I have to mention that Gunfighter Cast is brought to you in part by the best belt manufacturer in the business. I guarantee you, whatever belt that you are wearing right now, once you get an Ares Gear Ranger belt, you will not be wearing whatever's on your body right now as you listen to this show. Whether it's for your tactical gear, your belt for your Brokos belt, your everyday carry belt, whatever it is you're using... They make a better one at AriesGear.com. Go check it out. Go talk to Jake and tell him that you heard about him on Gunfighter Cast. Once you've bought that Ranger belt online, hop over to DarkAngelMedical.com and go check out what Dark Angel can do for you. If you're looking for the most streamlined first aid kit out there, you may be interested in a Dark. And the way it's explained on the website, just couldn't be said any better. A medical kit should not be complicated. A medical kit should have everything you need and nothing you don't. A life-threatening injury it's complicated enough, so when it's time to pull out your medical kit, you need simplicity under stress. So go check out those dark medical kits. While you're there, look at the training. Training has some very in-depth stuff geared directly for military, law enforcement, and you law-abiding citizens out there carrying a concealed weapon. I'm not even going to attempt to read through all of them because Carrie's going to be on the next show talking all about Dark Angel. Go check out the website, check out the training, and look at It's extremely comprehensive. I challenge you to find somebody that's doing more comprehensive work for less money. So go check out Dark Angel Medical at darkangelmedical.com. Now that we get all that knocked out, let's go ahead and uh, start talking about our top. I'm going to link an article in the show notes of this show, and I want you to go click on that article and check it out and read more about it and read what Rob has to say about this professional code of defensive instructors, about how this thing came about. Basically, it's a conglomeration of a lot of different individuals inputting their own information and discussing, uh, writing down some points, writing down bullets changing those bullets, and over a fairly long period of time with a heck of a lot of people's input, this is what was came up with. It's called the Professional Code of Defensive Shooting Instructors. Now, I truly believe in these 100%. I, I told Rob after reading it that, you know, I'd put my name down on this thing and sign it, sign it right away. We're not talking about techniques here. We're not talking about this is what you have to teach if you're a professional code or professional defensive shooting instructor. You have to teach this, this, and this, and check this box and this box. This isn't what it's about. This is about what they should, what every good firearms instructor should have in common. They may have technique differences. They may have, uh, you know, the methodology for instructions are different. There could be a lot of things that are different from teacher to teacher or instructor to instructor, but these things should remain the same between professional shooting instructor. And if you have an instructor that you out there that you're following, that you, that you go to for your concealed carry course or uh, whatever course is in your area, something small scale or maybe somebody large out there, and they really aren't meeting all of these I would start to question, you know, why you choose to spend your money on them and not choose to spend your money somewhere else. All right, number one, I am committed to the safety of my students and hold that the expected benefit of any training activity must significantly outweigh any known or perceived risk of that activity. Now, we've talked about this a time or two on Gunfighter Cast. Is what you're trying to do, what you're training for, does the gain greatly outweigh the risk of what you're doing? Are you really going to get something out of this that makes it, once you weigh the two back and forth, yeah, this is a little bit more risk than I would normally like to have, but what we stand to gain is just enormous from this, and it's realism, and we do expect this to happen, and we have to train for this incident, so we're going to make it as real as possible, and the gain is weighing much more than the risk of that activity. Now, you could get down into what-if scenarios right and left, or you could just keep it real simple, you know, going out to a range and shooting a pistol at a target is probably a little bit more dangerous than sitting in your house on your couch shooting a video game gun and killing the bad guys on a 
Xbox, but you're not going to get the same amount of realism, the same, you're not going to learn how to work your weapon. Right, you have to look at this from a realistic standpoint. Is what I'm doing, can I make it safer? By making it safer, am I taking away too much of the training? We're weighing the benefits here. I've done plenty of things in the military that were very dangerous in training, but we also always had very many things in place to make sure that we were limiting all the dangers and keeping that risk as low as possible for whatever training we were doing. And if whatever we were standing to gain for that training does not greatly outweigh the risk, then we just flat out aren't doing it. All right, number two, I believe that it is my responsibility to understand not just what I'm teaching, but why I am teaching any technique or concept or offering specific advice. Now, I hear this all the time from instructors in the military, from civilian instructors, where they're talking about, well, I teach this right here and this right there. And then you ask them, well, why do you teach it? And they give you a look like, like, why are you even asking me that? Like, uh, they, they can't explain it. I think someone should be asked me, Daniel, why are you teaching this certain technique right here? I should be able to, for the isosceles, for example. I'll teach the weaver, and I'll teach the Chapman all day long, and but I'll teach the isosceles. For me, I push the isosceles. I think for the application that I've always been in, in the military, the isosceles just works better for us. And I do say us. And if you were to ask me, why are you teaching this technique? Now, my next question would be, how much time do you have? Because I could go in great detail about why I feel so strongly about the isosceles position and less strongly about the other two positions I mentioned. And I think the same thing should be able to apply to everything we talk about. But whatever it is you're teaching out there, you need to be able to explain why. Your instructor should be able to explain why he's teaching that, why that technique is being taught to you instead of other techniques. Number three, I recognize that defensive shooting skills, along with the drills and gear used, are inherently specialized and usually distinct from those of target shooting, competition, and hunting endeavors. Now, of course, there's going to be some things that just carry on from target shooting into defensive shooting. And there's going to be some things that carry on from hunting into the other two. But for the most part, most of the time, your gear is going to be different for your defensive shooting than going out and sitting in a deer stand waiting to shoot a deer. Your gear may be set up different, maybe optimized differently. There's just a lot of different things that come into play. And if you've got somebody who's just primary a target shooting specialist, like they've won competition and they are just the best target shooters ever. They've compete in NRA matches, uh, you know, national match and all that stuff, or they shoot in IDPA or IPSC, whatever the case may be. I think we need to draw a line. We have to, we can't just go out there and say, hey, this guy's really good at IDPA. He could probably teach me self-defense shooting. I think some instructors can definitely make that transition and teach how to be good at IDPA and how to be uh, a good instructor as far as defensive shooting, but I don't think they they go hand in hand at, at all. I think you're talking about a game versus reality. And there are things you can do in the game that make you faster that may not exactly work very well in in reality. Gear has to be set up differently for to fall within the rules of, say, IDPA. The way those gear set up, there are no rules out there the way you go out and carry your gear on a daily basis. The rule is, does it work best for you in your situation, you know, with respect to your body type, your weapon, you know, your carry method, your dress? Does the way your gear set up, is that what's the most efficient for you? If it can get any better, figure out how to make it better and do that. You may not always have those options with these games. I'm not saying anything bad about the games. I'm just saying they're not the same. Just because you're good at IDPA doesn't mean you're going ready to go ahead and take out six active shooters in a mall because uh, you went down zero on your last stage of fire that had six bad guys. Or number four, I will encourage my students to ask questions about course material and I will answer them with thorough and objective explanations. This is another thing. I see this quite often in the military. 
there's this course material that's kind of been around for a long time, and there's been a few changes here and there over the years. But when you ask someone that, I, I get this all the time, like because that's the way we do it. And they can't ever explain why we why they do that or why they're teaching that. And that takes us all the way back to the tenant number two, where I said, I believe that it's my responsibility to understand not just what I'm teaching, but why I'm teaching any technique or concept or offering specific advice. So I've been in course in classrooms where people do not like to have questions asked them. And if they don't like to have a question asked to them in front of the class, then I would really, really begin to question whether they should be teaching firearms or not, or teaching anything. Because I think if you truly know the material, you stand behind and you have a good justification on why you're teaching said material, you should welcome questions. And these are this helps you get in tune to what your students need. It helps you get in tune to what your next course may want to hear more about. I've talked before about how whenever I first became a primary marksmanship instructor at Paris Island, I had to go teach the fundamentals of marksmanship. Aiming, breathing, and trigger control. Just the basics. And the first time I taught that class, I stood there for two hours answering questions. I knew the material. I knew it very well. And I was able to answer all the questions with no trouble. But my problem was, I didn't know how to teach it very well. So after doing it for a while, I got to where I was getting one or two questions at the end of the class and nothing more. And that was because I knew what questions they were going to begin to ask. And I worked every bit of that into the class itself. So as I begin to learn the students, you can't grow. You have to get questions. We have to be, I, I like I like arguments. You know, let's explain to me why you think my technique isn't the best and why yours is. I may change my mind. I've changed my mind off many things throughout the years. I've changed my mind off a few things in the past year. I've been thinking about doing a show on just all the stuff I've changed my mind about throughout the years. It might be a long one. So if you were standing there and it's like, well, get with me after the class or something like that, that's a that's an excuse. That's a running away. You know, that's, I would, I would really question if I want to spend some more money with this instructor if they were telling me some stuff like that. Like, hey, get with me offline or get with me after the class and we'll talk more about that. It's just, I think it's ridiculous. And number five, I understand that integrity and professionalism are subjective traits and I strive to maintain high levels of both. I am capable of and willing to articulate the reasons for the way I conduct my courses and how I interact with students and peers. Basically, a instructor should be able to explain why he's doing a certain thing as far as the course itself. But not just that, but the way he interacts or she interacts with the students and peers. I've came across some many instructors in the private sector and uh, in the military where they just seem to be, for lack of a better term, assholes for the sake of being assholes. And there's absolutely not justified in any way for them to be that way. And some of them say, well, i got to keep the stress level high or they'll do something stupid safety. That's just ridiculous. Uh, or they'll say something to the effect of, you know, that's the way we've always done. You know, there's that whole thing where we've always done it, so it must be the right way to do it, right? But they can't justify really why they're doing that, why they're acting the way they're acting, why they're running the course, why they're micromanaging every little thing. Like, well, why are you doing that? Because that's the way we do it. And there's there's no need in it. And this is probably a lot worse in the military than it is on the civilian side. Uh, I guess it's it's an issue somewhere if it made it into one of these tenets. Your instructor should be able to explain why we're doing this in the course. And we're not talking about just curriculum or just techniques. But why is the course structured in a certain way? Why are we doing things uh, in this manner instead of doing it like this? On this other course I did, uh, we did it like such and such way. Why do you do it like this? You should be able to articulate and explain why that is. But I think the most important thing is is how I interact with students and peers. I mean, there may be, with you got to take into account at some point, time may be an issue. There may be certain things that instructors do to speed things up and maybe not give the most elaborate answer for everything. 
if there's a lot of questions or maybe they have to work something out for speed because time is is a is an issue to get all the coursework completed by the end of the day uh, they want to get it all hit you know the way that it needs to be taught and practiced but there may be time restraints in there that that may not be understood by every student so if students ask say hey, why are we doing this like this I'm like, hey pfft, we don't have time to do it any other way yeah you know, in some situations that could be a, uh, a definitely a valid excuse or a reason I believe that it is valuable to engage my peers in constructive conversation about differences in technique and concept with the goal of mutual education and evolution. We talk about this kind of thing a lot in uh, episodes of Gunfighter Cast, where I believe that there's a lot to learn from everybody. Students, other instructors, our peers, other end users, there's a lot to be learned out there. And if we get so set in our ways that this is the technique that I'm going to teach, this is the way I'm going to do it, and I'm never going to change it, and 20 years passes, and everybody else is teaching something else, and everyone knows that what everyone else is teaching is right and yours isn't so much, you might should have looked back and followed tenant number six a while back because uh, you've basically been start, you've been letting students down. I think we can evolve as students. We can evolve as instructors and as end users out there, you know, kicking doors in or whatever it is you're doing. We can get better at it. And we don't get better at it just by soaking up everything from you know one single instructor we need to diversify get out there and see what's coming in from all the different angles and there may be someone who explains something really well maybe someone who has a technique that just a little slight variation on a technique that you're already pretty solid with but their variation was what really got you that extra time on that reload or just made all the difference in your your marksmanship just accuracy there could be a lot of stuff out there and for an instructor to say that this is what i'm doing and i'm never changing it and i do not even want to be bothered with constructive conversation about differences in techniques and concepts uh, with uh, with my peers, then uh, you're failing. You're failing yourself. You're failing your students. And uh, I hope your course fails and uh, you don't make it in life. How about that? And seven, I believe that the best instructor is an avid student, and I will strive to continually upgrade my own skills and knowledge as a part of this belief. I understand that my own teachings need to be subject to critique and open to evolution. Now, kind of touched on that just a second ago when we explained uh, with tenant number six, but yeah, be a constant student, and that's my plan. I'm getting out of the military here, and hopefully I'm going here in a month, and my plan is just to take courses all over the place. I want to soak it all in. I want to get everything. Now, realistically, I, I can go out and teach some courses right now. Pistol, rifle, shotgun, machine guns. I could do it. And I, I could write the curriculum, develop the curriculum, set up the course, and do all that stuff. I have no doubt about it. But I think after I am a student out there in the private sector for a little while and get a little bit of law enforcement training, which I'm planning on doing, I think it's going to be just come back a, a, ten times better. I'm just going to be so much better of an instructor just by being a student. And I think every instructor should have that outlook and have that mindset because I think it would be very beneficial not only to them, but also their future students. And that's it. That's our professional code of defensive shooting instructors. Again, there's a link in the show notes. Go check it out. And uh, I'll throw it up on Facebook too for you guys to check it out and uh, read it. Let us know what you think. Like I said, doesn't get down into all these techniques. And, you know, there's not a lot of people teaching anything really crazy. The majority of the, the top tier instructors in the U.S., they're not teaching a whole lot of different stuff as far as techniques. They're really not. It's the manner in which they're teaching it and presenting the information. But, I mean, when we realistically look at it, not a lot of difference in what these trainers are doing as far as a technique stamp. So what I challenge you to, if you have an instructor in mind and you went back and read through these again and you, you're starting to question, 
your instructor or the way you're presenting information, fix yourself. Or if you're in the student side, find a new instructor. There's better ones out there. All right. Well, that's pretty much all I got for this episode. I just want to throw something out there real quick because didn't have anything out there for you this week. And we are on a long roll of having shows out every single weekend, trying to keep it going. Uh, T-shirts, if you listen to the show the day it's out, then uh, you can still order a T-shirt. It's going to end on Wednesday, December 5th, and there will be no more T-shirt sales until we get back to the States and get a whole new run going. I had to cut them off just because uh, I'm leaving here in hopefully about 20 days, and the printer isn't the fastest. It's kind of the story of my life here in Okinawa, Japan. So uh, I want to make sure that they're all printed. And I have them in the mail to you before I take off out of here. So I'm having to cut off the t-shirt sales. So I apologize if you didn't get in there. I do have a few extras that I bought that uh, I have. And once uh, this run's done, I'll, I will put a few sizes and what I have up there on the website. So you can buy what I have left over. Uh, also, one last thing. We just began a mailing list at gunfightercast.com. So go to the website. Go to www.gunfightercast.com and join the mailing list. John and I have a lot of really, really good stuff planned for this upcoming year whenever I'm back in the States and we're less than a hundred bucks plane plane ride from each other and uh, we're looking at doing a lot of stuff some some really good audio stuff some some videos quite a bit more and we decided we need to go ahead and make a mailing list to keep everybody up to date about it it's pretty easy with the podcast the feed hits you you subscribe you get the podcast no big deal but it's all the other things that uh, we want to keep you informed about so you don't miss anything so go to gunfightercast.com and join the mailing list it's a little bar at the bottom of the screen. Just type in your email and then uh, confirm it through your email and you're done. All right. Not quite officially announcing this, but uh, here in the next couple of weeks, we will be doing a contest that will only involve those members of the mailing list. So get on the mailing list. And as always, of course, you're going to like what you get because we don't give out garbage. All right. Well, that's pretty much it for episode number 79 of Gunfighter Cast. Thanks for joining me. And as always, I had a great time giving it to you. And uh, we'll see you next time. And until then... Go